cheating off a neighbor, that's fine this morning. Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. We have uh, this week and then next week we are concluding this Ephesians series. We've been working through this for some time now. And uh, hopefully as you've been reading through Ephesians, maybe there's some questions that have come up as you've been reading or things that I've said on Sunday morning as a part of the sermon or maybe things that I didn't say that you wish I would have. Um, we're going to have an opportunity next week to kind of answer some questions uh, about the book of Ephesians to wrap up some things uh, that maybe we didn't get to in this series um, so we'll take advantage of that next week. Uh, if you have those questions, write them down, put them in my mailbox, give me a call, send me an email. Uh, that's great. I do have a couple questions that people have given me over this series. And um, so I'm excited to see what that's going to look like. Um, you know, usually I have kind of a pretty good idea of where the sermon's going in the next week. Um, next week we'll see what happens. Uh, so that's exciting. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Paul writes this, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, and with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Jesus, thank you for this morning, for the opportunity to come and to take a deeper look at the sword of the spirit, the word of God. I pray that you would be in this place moving in our hearts. May the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Let me remind you of where Ephesians has been, because we're at the end of this series. Let's not forget where we've come. Paul began by summarizing what the gospel is all about. He talked about God's grand plan where everything is being brought under the reign of Christ. This is where the whole story from Genesis through Revelation is headed. And by God's grace, through uh, Christ's atoning life and death and the resurrection of Christ, 
we have an opportunity to become a part of God's story, to partner with God in bringing all things under the reign of Christ. Paul talked about how we had been previously dead in our sin and how we have been made alive because of what Christ has done. How we are being brought into right relationship with God. That's not something that we do on our own by saying, I'm just going to make myself a better person. This is out of God's grace and through trusting faithfulness that we can be brought into relationship with God. And as a part of God's grand plan, people are being reconciled. That means made right. And we're being made right. We've got this right relationship that can now happen between us and God and between us and other people. And so we are being reconciled. Um, Paul had talked about how former enemies, the Jews and the Gentiles, had been brought back into unity together with one another. Paul urges followers of Jesus to live a life worthy of the calling they have received. Uh, Paul talked about how God is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. And the church is called to unity in the ways that we live as a way of expressing the wisdom of God to the world around us. Paul told the Gentiles, stop living like Gentiles. You need to live in a new way. You need to forget that old way and you need to live in this new way, live in the light instead of the darkness. The Gentiles, um, what he's criticizing there is folks who were only worried about making themselves happy, pleasing themselves. Uh, they didn't care about how that impacted other folks around them. Paul had encouraged us to work through our anger issues and conflicts quickly so that we don't give the devil space to move and, and divide us from one another or from God. We're taught to live in a way that reflects Jesus. Um, it says to, to live the way you were taught to live, not pursuing perverted sexuality. Um, we're called to speak truth, to be kind. Uh, and compassionate, and we're told to walk in love. And that's kind of what we called this whole series, walking in the way of love. Jesus showed us what the way of love is. Jesus came to show us the love of God and to live it out. And the way Jesus showed us that was through self-sacrificing for the good of others. Jesus' life was characterized by serving other people, he was, his life was uh, characterized by embodying God's justice, God's rightness, the way things are meant to be. Jesus' life was also characterized by speaking the truth in love. And he came and he spoke words of comfort that lifted up the weak. But Jesus also spoke truth that challenged the, the people that were entrenched uh, in power and the status quo. The gist of Ephesians is that God loves, and in God's love, Jesus was sent to show us how big that love of God is. God loves us not because of something you've done, but actually in spite of everything that we've done. And what we need to do is receive God's gift of love and love Him and love others in return. And as Christ showed us what it 
looks like to love, now we are called to follow that way and to walk in the way of love, loving God, loving others. Last week, we talked about love that is characterized by submitting to or valuing others more than you value getting your own way. And now Paul moves into this section about the armor of God. Paul has given us throughout Ephesians some lofty goals. Uh, Stop living this way, put off that old way of life, and you need to live this new way. And we talked about how there's a struggle that's a part of all of us of leaving that old way. Um, It's hard for us to do. But Paul wants us to live in this new way. He wants us to, you know, he says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Well, I got to admit to you that more than once, the sun has gone down and I have not dealt with my anger. So Paul is uh, giving us some lofty goals, but I don't think that Paul is um, naive to think that this is going to be easy, to walk in the way of love. You know, Paul talks... We're all united, we're all to work together, we're be kind, be compassionate, walk in the way of love. And we read this and we're tempted to think, man, this must have just been super easy for Paul. This must have been super easy for the early church. History tells us something different, that they struggled too. And so what does Paul talk about? He talks about being equipped for this life. He says, all things will be brought under the reign of Christ, but not all things currently are under the reign of Christ. And so Paul, with these lofty goals, he believes in a God powerful enough to do way more huger things than we ask or imagine. But Paul also knows that we need to be equipped for the struggle that exists in our life every day. Paul talks about being properly equipped. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Remember, God is able to do more than we ask or imagine. God is able to do more than we ask or imagine. Only God is able to do more than we ask or imagine. I can't do all of this stuff. Uh, Kind, compassionate, you know, fighting the, the, the powers and, and the devil's schemes by myself. My willpower sucks. It's bad. I, I, I used to be an athlete in high school and worked out and did all that stuff then, and that was a while ago. And I don't love the, you know, like exercising, and that's, that's a struggle for me. So uh, a couple weeks ago, I was like, I, I got to... I got to try and get back into this. And, you know, so it's taken me a number of years to even get that far. And I cleaned off the, the we have a weight bench down in the basement. Uh, it had boxes on it and, you know, other stuff. I had to move those boxes and make space. And I lifted. And the next morning, I was like, oh, it's not too bad, not too sore. I lifted again. Okay, now I'm a little sore. Then uh, the other, this was the other week, uh, Katie made me go for a run on Friday morning. And uh, so I'm blaming it on that. Um, I, I started to get super sore, and I had some uh, home uh, cleaning up outside projects that needed done. Um, so I was getting sore. And that night, we had fifth quarter here at the church, and I came and I started playing some volleyball. I'm like, man, I am so sore. And I told you that night, John, I said, my knee hurts so bad. 
And, um, you know, I'm not sure it's worth that struggle sometimes. <laughs> What's the point? Paul's talking about being spiritually prepared for the challenges and the struggles that we face day in and day out. Some of those struggles are of our own making. And some come from forces that are opposed to the reign of Jesus. Uh, Paul calls those powers of the dark world, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I barely have the willpower to get myself to work out and to try and eat right. I do not have the power in and of myself to face these challenges, these kinds of big challenges in the world to face the, the devil and his schemes. Man, I don't, I'm not equipped in my own power to do that, to deal with that. So I think that's why Paul says, stand firm in the Lord and in his mighty power. Paul says to be strong in the Lord, not through finding willpower in ourselves, but to put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. He says we're to, be, uh, to put on the belt of truth. This is about being grounded in the truth of the gospel that Jesus came and lived out to know the story of Jesus, to know that truth that we are loved. For the, the Roman soldier who Paul had some familiarity with, He's writing from prison. He probably has firsthand experience what a soldier's uh, armor and uniform looks like in that day. They put on the belt as a way of supporting the rest of the armor. If you've ever gone backpacking, like overnight backpacking, like serious backpacking, you put on this pack and then you have the belt that goes around it and that helps distribute uh, the weight off of your back onto your hips. And that's really what the uh, Roman soldier's belt helped do. They were wearing a male uh, armor and some of them had uh, other armor on top of that. And that belt helped to take off um, some of the weight. It was essential. It was foundational. Being grounded in the truth of who God is and his love for us is foundational. It supports the rest. It says we're to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness is related to justice, God's justice, not just whatever the world calls justice, but what the Bible says is the right way to live. As Paul's uh, looked at the practical implications of living out the gospel. It's characterized by doing right. This is what Ephesians is talking about, what the Bible calls justice, living the right way. Paul says we're to have our feet fitted with the gospel of peace. Paul talked about being united and, and dealing with anger quickly if and when it comes up. This is about peace between one another. It's about combating conflict and anger and not giving the devil a chance to divide. Not giving the devil, uh, Paul said, a foothold. Uh, Roman soldiers wore a, a boot that was, had metal studs on the bottom. It was similar to like our athletic cleats today. 
And the reason they wore, had these studded boots was so that when they would stand with their shields there, this is how the Roman army worked, and these barbarians would come and throw themselves into the shields. And they were able to plant themselves in to stand their ground and then start marching back against the enemy. And they worked together as a team. They held that line. And as long as they held that line, the Roman army was hard to beat. Those shoes grounded them. It it helped them withstand uh, the onslaught of what was happening outside and then begin to move backward, not giving up a foothold to the enemy. This goes back to the foothold Paul talked about. When we give the enemy a chance to come in in those conflicts or unresolved anger, that helps him get an opportunity to divide the church or our families or our relationship with other people. When Paul talks about being fitted with uh, the gospel of peace, peace is not an add-on to following Jesus. Peace or wholeness, the Old Testament uses the word shalom, is working at right relationships between people, working for the, the wholeness of our relationships. This is central to what it means to follow Jesus. Paul talks about the shield of faith, faithfulness in action. And acted obedience. One author calls it long obedience in the same direction. It's a life of consistently walking after Jesus. Paul talks about the helmet of salvation, a reminder of what Christ has done for us, resting in that story, and we get the protection against separation from God knowing that that Jesus has loved us and God has loved us so much. It's a protection against living in darkness or like Paul wrote earlier, living like Gentiles. And the last one, my kid's favorite, the sword of the Spirit. Seems like everyone likes a good sword. Uh, I grew up singing some little song about the armor of God and... uh, Mom and dad had some little VHS, some of you know what VHS tapes are, youth will talk about that later. Um, They had this little VHS tape of me singing this song and waving around my little plastic sword of the spirit. I was a boy who grew up reading Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, and I liked reading Lord of the Rings, so I think swords look pretty cool. A few years ago, um, Muma got the, the boys the armor of God. Um, parenting tip. If you have two boys, you need two sets of armor. Uh, There's a reason that sword has been lost for a long time. And, uh, you know, you hope that one of them gets all the armor and the other gets the sword. That's about the only way that it's it's fair, right? Scholars disagree on what exactly Paul has in mind when he's mentioning the sword. Um, some people think that the sword was a purely a defensive weapon. They used primarily spears. Others say, no, the sword is definitely a part of the offensive uh, tools used by the military army. I'm not sure that Paul necessarily needs us to have that conversation. 
I don't think he's worried about the sword's use. And often we understand the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, to be the Bible. And that's right for us. This is the Word of God. This is the story of God. But um, Paul specifically, when, when Paul's writing this, uh, Paul does not have 66 books of the Bible bound up into one nice uh, du- duo-toned, leather-bound Bible. He has the Old Testament in scroll forms, uh, most of that. Paul's writing Ephesians before Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John uh, were written. And so what Paul means here is the story of Jesus, the gospel, the word of God made flesh. This is what Ephesians and the early church had been taught about who Jesus is. And, And Paul says, this story is central. It's so important to who we are as the church, to who you are at now as an individual following God. Don't forget the central story of the Word of God. Now, a few things about this passage. This uh, is by no means, and some have used this passage this way, this passage is not... Um, an endorsement of violence. Uh, Paul says our fight is not against flesh and blood. It is against these spiritual forces. It is about against the, the rulers and the authorities, and, and um, there's different discussion about what Paul means there, but he's talking about these forces that are opposed to God. Um, it says our fight is not against flesh and blood, the armor of God place that may come with shield and helmet and breastplate and all these great things, but these are not physical objects to be used against a person. But this passage is also not an endorsement of passivity, of sitting around and doing nothing and just saying, well, we're just going to protect ourselves here in the church and we're going to ignore what happens outside in the world. This passage is not about that. Even the shield was used by Roman soldiers as an offensive weapon. You could do some damage if you knew how to use your shield. What Paul is talking about here is the type of engagement. Once we're all suited up with the tools, with the armor, we're ready to go. And look at how we're called to engage in battle here in this text. You know, often we want to gear up, get ourselves all ready, and we want to go out and we want to do something for the kingdom. Whether that's uh, serving the poor, that's a great thing. Whether it's telling other people about the story of Jesus, that's an awesome thing. So needed for us to do. But it seems like Paul is saying, before you do that, pray. Verse 18, Paul says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. What word do you keep hearing over and over? All. Pray on all occasions. Things are good, things are bad, things are falling apart. Pray. All kinds of prayers. Thanking God for who He is. Praising Him for for what He's done in our lives. Coming to Him uh, just with grief. 
I mean, if you read the, the Psalms, which is you know, Paul's prayer book, it's filled with all kinds of prayer. And some are just thanking God, praising God for who He is, for His um, protection, for sustaining them. And others are hard prayers, saying, God, my life is falling apart. Please come and do something. Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. This passage is about the church preparing for the struggle we face in the world day in and day out, in living out the way of love. And look, all this armor is, is saying we need to be protected because stuff comes from all different directions. It comes from society around us. It comes from politics around us. It comes from powers and forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Um, and that looks different at different times. Sometimes it even comes from friendly fire. Paul says we're to put on the gear, put on the armor, get ourselves ready, and then engage in prayer. Prayer is serious business. And here's just some practical ways that we can be in prayer for one another. Each week in, in the bulletin and in the announcements, we have a list of people who are dealing with loss or dealing with uh, some health issues that we know about, and we can be praying for those folks. We have a, a rotating list in the uh, bulletin, in the announcements, of families in, in this congregation that we can be praying for and lifting one another up. Uh, in our announcements, there's also ministries or congregations or groups that we can be praying for. And look, those are just some things that are in the bulletin or parts of groups or there's people around you that if you've got stuff happening in your life, sometimes we need somebody to pray for us and pray with us because we don't always have the words to say. Sometimes it's just too hard to get the words out and we need people around us that can be praying for us and lifting us up. There's not enough time this morning to go into all the ways that we can pray. Some people pray as a conversation with God. Some people pray through journaling and they, they have to write things down. Um, there was a Sunday school class uh, here a couple months ago that was using a book called Liturgy of the Ordinary. And it was about going through your day and your routine of getting up in the morning and just praying with God. And, and to me, that's kind of like putting on the armor. It's, it's getting prepared. It's, it's praising God. It's, it's uh, confession. And it's, it's working through uh, common everyday things that you do to get ready for work or school or whatever. And how can you be in prayer during that time? You know, for, for me, um, I don't have a great memory sometimes. Don't say amen. And I have to write things down. So I started to keep a, a little notebook of you know, people say, can you pray for me for this? Yeah, And I have to write it down. Or, uh, I mean, I was with some, some friends this week, and um, the one, uh, he's a pastor, his wife, they found a, a tumor came back. And, and so I had to, to write down uh, Andy and Laura uh, so I could be in prayer for them. Uh, things for praying for the church or um, a waitress that, that said, uh, I know you're a pastor, can you be in prayer for this situation? I have to write those things down. 
And that helps me come back and say, God, and here's the, here's the mess that's happening around me. Can, we be, can you do something? Can you be intervening in these situations? What strikes me most about this passage is Paul's conclusion. Verse 19, he says, Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Paul said, pray for all the Lord's people, and now he says, and pray for me. Paul's not too proud to ask for prayer. He uses this phrase, uh, ambassador in chains. It was, it was a privilege, it was honorable to be an ambassador. But there was no honor. There was only shame in being a prisoner. But Paul says, look, I am in chains because I have been proclaiming the good news of Jesus. And now I need your prayers. He's writing from jail. And I imagine, you know, as, as strong as a person as Paul was, as I'm sure incredibly strong as his faith was, I imagine there were some dark times for Paul in prison. And he often talks and writes a great game. But I'm sure there were moments in Paul's life where he said, I need you to pray for me. Because I've been proclaiming the gospel fearlessly, and I hope I can continue to do that. I'm not Paul. You're not Paul. I'm sure we could be in prayer for one another. We can all engage in prayer. It doesn't matter where you're at in life. Uh, pastor friend of mine said a couple years ago, um, she was meeting with um, someone in a retirement home, and this person was saying, oh, Pastor, I'm, I'm so old. I'm, you know, she was in her, this woman was in her 90s, and I don't know what is left for me to do. I don't know what God's plan is for me. I, I don't know what God's purpose is for me. My pastor friend said, you can pray, right? You can pray, right? You can pray for your family, pray for your friends, pray for what's happening in the world around you, pray for your church. We can always pray for one another. So this person had committed themselves to prayer. There's not a lot I can do anymore, but I can pray. And often we view prayer as this last resort. I've tried everything else, so I might as well try prayer. But Ephesians, what Paul's talking about is God is in the process of bringing all things under the reign of Christ. By God's grace, we have a chance to join in God's story. We are called to be united. We're called to live a life worthy of God's calling. We're told to walk in love, to submit to one another. Now we're told to get prepared for this kind of living. We're told to get suited up with the armor of God and now engage with prayer. All the uniting of Gentiles and Jews, all the walking in love, 
all the putting off the old way and, and putting on the new way, all the, the church, marriage, family, work, relationships that we have, start with prayer. Prayer is powerful. And so as we're a, a people uh, that are devoted to learning about Jesus in the Word, let us also be a people that are devoted to praying for one another, for knowing where real power is. May it be so with us. Praise team, come this morning.